Welcome back, guys, to the first episode of 2023. Yes, uh, again, my inconsistencies are pretty bad lately because of some health concerns that I've had and also a lot of personal stuff, but we're back and we're going to get pumping and ready and let's go into the NHL and let's dive in and see the bigger uh, things that have uh, taken place. So first off, we just had a whole world junior that took place and obviously who are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about Connor Bedard. Yes. And, and not so much um, his World Junior, because we know everyone's going to talk about him. He's a fantastic player, it looks like. But we're going to talk about the uh, potential like the uh, potential of who gets him. Um, and, and whoever win, you know, any one of these teams, whoever does win, uh, get the, wins the lottery, is going to get a franchise player, pretty much. Like, this is, you know, the next McDavid, the Crosby, the Ovechkin, you know, that kind of high elite player. Um, the guy who is your franchise. And it's going to be interesting because right now there's a few teams. I mean, again, any team can get them because it is a lottery. Nothing's guaranteed. So, you know, a lot of scenarios can play out. But, uh, you know, we don't even know um, about this much about this kid Bedard. We know that uh, he's a hard worker. It doesn't seem like it's an Eric Lindros type where player where, yes, he might be a superstar, but he also is a head case just because... Uh, he might not want to play for a certain team. I could be wrong. Uh, maybe he doesn't want to play for one of these bottom feeders that uh, ends up with the first overall pick because, you know, he he, he just, for whatever reason. Um, and it's really interesting because there's a, there's a hockey side to it and a business side to it. And, you know, on the hockey side, you get the first pick all, any year, but especially this year, you know, you can get a lot back for him. Um, you know, hockey's a team game. It's not a... Uh, star driven league you know any any team with a good system you know a, a good coaching can can get it done and be really good now obviously better players are gonna you know help that system out but um you don't necessarily need the best player in the game to win a stanley cup it's it's possible to do it without them but also you know you know from the business side if you're an nhl owner of one of these franchises you know you know, this is this guy's going to get your revenue up with tickets and jerseys and merchandise. You know, he's going to be your superstar because he is your franchise. And, you know, owners can step in and say, hey, you know, we're not going to allow you to, you know, take a chance and uh, trade away this pick. You know, no, you're going to pick Connor Bedard because it's going to make me the most money. And you know what? It might fuck over a team if they want to move the pick. Um you know, it, it's happened before. Teams it, it doesn't seem like it's often, but teams move high picks uh, to get more back. And, you know, it, it happens in other sports, too. It's not just hockey. Um, teams will trade based out of need. But uh, here's the thing I'll say about that. When it comes to drafting of certain teams, I always say draft best player available. Best player available instead of need. And the reason for that is because, you know... I find that, uh, I know I just said uh, you don't need the best player ever to win the Stanley Cup, but it does help your odds when you have better players on your team that can, you know, that improve the system of the coaches. And, you know, the the reason I say this, so you look at, you know, uh, I'm going to give an example. You look at the bottom three teams in the NHL right now, Chicago, Columbus, Anaheim. 
Now, obviously, Chicago needs any talent they can get. And let's say they won the first overall pick. Right now, they have the best odds. Um, but it's not official. This, the uh, season is a long way to go. We're only about halfway through the season. Every team's hovering around the 40-game mark, uh, I'd say. So we're almost about we're about halfway through the season. It's January. and But, you know, Chicago gets them. Obviously, they're going to take them because, you know, their forward core is pretty bad. Doesn't have a lot. I mean, they got some young talent, but, like, not a whole lot, you know. So obviously, Chicago would take them. But, you know, you look at a team like Columbus, you know, the next team. You know, they got, they, they, there's an argument, hey, they got some young centers, Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, uh, Roslevic's a good player. You know, you, you look at the next team, the Anaheim Ducks, you know, um, you know, Mason McTavish, Trevor Zegris, uh, Trevor Zegris down the middle, Ryan Strom is a center, but uh, Troy Terry's in the top six, you know, there's the argument, hey, we already got talent there, you know, why not move picks? Well, guess what? If, if that's your thinking, I say screw that. You take him, and I, obviously he's not going to fall to two. He's going to go be the first player off the board, whoever gets him. But you take him because, you know, it's only going to help improve your system. I didn't say system. I don't buy that uh, the system is more important than the player, but I also don't buy that players are more important than the system. I think they go hand in hand. So if you're one of these teams that get him, you draft him. Connor Bedard, you know, is the best player. Now, on the flip side is, on the devil's advocate side, you better be damn sure that he's a franchise player and do your scouting and uh, make sure that... Uh, and I know it looks like it, but there's been times where uh, guys have really looked like, you know, sure things and uh, never happened. Uh, a perfect example, you go, well, you have, to, you have to go back to, like, 93. Um, Alexander Degg, anyone remember that name? He uh, was even before my time, before I was born, but I know my hockey history. Um, that was the year the Senators had the first pick, and everyone was talking about Daig as the next uh, superstar. But you know what? He was a bust. In fact, one of the biggest busts ever. Um, you know, Chris Pronger was in that draft. Correa was in that draft. Jason Arnott was in that draft. You know, plenty of guys that could have had, but they chose Daig. Uh, another, another one, uh, Nail Yakupov. Uh, recently, everyone thought he was going to be a star. But, uh, you know, his attitude sucked, and uh, there was other guys in that draft. Morgan Riley was in that draft, you know. Uh, plenty of other guys to go after, so you better be sure if you win that uh, Bedard sweepstakes that he is do your proper scouting, do do every little detail you have to, and, and then make sure he is, because nothing is ever sure. But I'm not saying he's not, just playing devil's advocate. So we'll move on, um, and, and by the way, uh, before we do, pretty impressive world tournament it might be the best world tournament performance by a player um that uh bedard had with team canada just a, a filthy filthy uh, skill highly skilled player in the um world juniors so uh we'll move on and it is a pretty strong draft class uh by the way so good to see these uh prospects uh, get to shine and have their moment we'll move on uh now we're going to talk more about some of the uh teams uh little either storylines or directions that are going to have decisions that will have to be made. First off, uh, we had some news uh, with the uh, San Jose Sharks, and their uh, former first-round pick, Ryan Merkley, he wants out. And the word is this guy has an attitude problem. Now, so this kid was drafted, I believe he was drafted in 2017 or 2018. He was a first-rounder, so... Again, highly elite skilled player. You know, you remember this kid was supposed to be actually a first round pick, 
but uh, it actually uh, he dropped uh, in his draft stock because apparently in juniors he had an attitude problem, so didn't really uh, help there. Um, so he actually went twenty uh, first overall in the first round of the twenty eighteen draft. So he's uh, been a couple of years in this, in their system, and the argument I guess is you know. San Jose's not going anywhere. They're a pretty poor team, you know. Uh, bottom. I don't want to say necessarily. I mean, yeah, they're pretty bad. Like, they're bottom five team, actually, which I didn't even realize that they were that bad. So, um, you know, bottom five team, why why not give some of your kids a chance at this point? You know you're not making the playoffs. So, here's the thing. This team is way different than they were before. No more of the days of the Joe Thornton, the Patrick Marlowe, the Pavelski. Even, no more Brett Burns, even. Um, this team is not a veteran team anymore. And, you know, when you have a kid that has a problem but it's highly skilled, you can afford that because you can have guys in the locker room uh, show him their way or show him, you know, what's right and uh, maybe help his attitude change. But, you know, you lose all these veteran players to whether it's retirement or a new team, you know, you can't you, you can't expect... Uh, you know, Merkley to make the situation better if he hasn't fixed his attitude. And they simply now don't have the environment for him. Now, he's still a young kid. I think he's 23 years old now. He was born in uh, 2000, so he or he's going to be 23. I don't know his actual birthday. I don't have that in front of me. But, you know, it, it's weird, though. The, I, I do understand that he's got the attitude problem. But here's the one thing I'll say. The Sharks have not, you know, shown that they could draft... Uh, especially on the defensive side. Um, and you look at the past couple of years, even, you know, I know they got some of their uh, in-their-prime forwards, uh, some of their uh, more veteran guys like Hurdle, Kachura, Meyer, they developed them. But that was, that those, you know, drafted years ago. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to count anything, you know, in the, in the past, like, over eight years ago, you know, something like that. You know, that's, to me, that you know, you, you kind of got to look more of the recency because... Uh, anyone could, I mean, not saying you, it's easy to draft, but, like, those guys are in their prime already. It's no, no new young talent, but, like, you look at this roster, and it's like, ooh, doesn't look promising, um, in my opinion. And it's it, it begs the question whether it's the player or the team, because, I mean, I'm not saying this kid doesn't have a, uh attitude problem, because, obviously, it has covered him since he was in juniors but how, how, how can I not say it's the Sharks fault either for his development or for his lack of playing time I I honestly don't know um that's a good question because you look at some of their uh picks you know you you really can't you really can't tell like you know they they drafted Merkley in the first round of 2018 uh, we haven't seen much. 2019, I think that was the year they gave up their first for Carlson. Um, then the 2020 draft, they took the first rounder, Ozzy uh, Weisblad. I think he's uh, either he's in juniors or in the minors. Um, haven't heard him yet. Still about, and we're in 2023. Uh, 2021, they took William Eklund, uh, another forward prospect. Again, Uh I think he had a. Uh, I think he might have been in the World Juniors. I'm not 100 percent sure, but again, uh, he hasn't made the NHL yet, and I'm not saying he has. To, I'm just saying in general. And then uh, their first round pick this year, uh, 
Philip uh, Bysten, not not sure if I pronounce his name. Obviously, he's not ready. He was like the 27th overall pick. But again, like, you know, even look then, you know, where are the guys that they've developed? Uh, you know, they traded away Josh Norris. Like, great. I, I, I might see one other NHLer here, Mario Ferraro. I think he uh, he's one of their defensemen who's decent, not horrible, like, not great, but, like, where are the other guys? It's been a couple of years, and, like, we're not seeing anyone developed. It's it's kind of like my uh, my team, the New York Rangers. Like, they can't develop it for some reason. It's I've, I figured that it's a developed, development <laughs> issue with their forwards because, you know, they've had so many first-rounders with Kratzov and Hedl and, and Lafreniere and Kako, and I'm, like, waiting and waiting, and I'm trying to be patient, but, like, you know, they're just, they're not there. Like, I'm not saying they're bad players, but, like, they're not the stars that, you know, everyone hyped them up to be. And so, again, does it, is it the player? I, I I think it has a little bit to do with the player, but it's also, like, it really stresses why development is important um, on these young kids. Because, again, skilled players can, uh, you know, they might do be first-round picks, but... Uh, it's really how you develop uh, certain players in, in any sport. Um, it's it's less about talent and more about worth work ethic and dedication and all that stuff. So, we'll move on. Um, we'll see what the, that situation uh, happens. Uh, I'm not sure where Merkley would go. Maybe a maybe a team uh, like the Canadians could use some talent, but again, uh, don't know the answer to that one. So next team up, we have a really interesting scenario here. And it also, it, it stemmed me from thinking this because of the injuries that they both had. Um, the St. Louis Blues lost Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko on injured reserve. So, fortunately, they both suffered injuries. And I think Tori Krug also suffered an injury like uh, a week uh, later or a week before. Um, I think he, I think uh, he, he had a lower body injury. He's going to be out at least a month or maybe six weeks. I don't, I don't remember each injury for each player. It's too hard to keep up. But uh, now they, I, I think St. Louis has got some decisions at the trade deadline, and I'll tell you why. They really do because I'm not saying they have to make a decision right this second. It's still January, um, and if you look at the uh, Western Conference in their division, uh, they're in the uh, Central, and they're tied with Colorado at 43 points, and they're outside the playoff spot, but it's like, like two, like two points out of a playoff spot, like. I'm not saying, you know, you go blow it up. Now, if you're two points out of the playoff spot a week before the trade deadline, then it becomes interesting because obviously you, you got to play these games because you got some, you still got some good players on this team. But, you know, you could if if St. Louis doesn't get to the playoffs and they get nothing for some of these guys and they just walk, then it's like, well, what'd you do? Nothing. And you lost assets. Because, you know, you can get something for Ryan O'Reilly, Tarasenko. Fuck it. You can get something for Ivan Barbashev, too. He's 27. Uh, one year left on his deal. You might as well uh, get get a little younger. And I think it's easier to sell to the fans because, you know, Doug, Doug Armstrong built this team. Uh, and he won a Stanley Cup. Like, I I, I feel like we, we take for granted sometimes how hard it is to win a Stanley Cup. But... It's not. It's not an easy thing, and they still have like a, a good team. Like 
even I mean I know the job just got harder, but you know you look at some of these like you look at you know you they can get a little younger. I I feel they they got some young talent mixed with some of their veterans, but you know you can get rid of some of these guys, and you know make make uh make some room for some younger guys and give them a chance. Um, because you do have a core going forward in the future. I know you got some prime players, but you know. You still got uh, Jordan Kyrou and Robert Thomas that could lead this team in the uh, future, and, and this kid Jake Neighbors that came up. You know, that's a guy they want they uh, want for the future. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, really interesting situation, but I I think if I'm the Blues here, I rebuild just because a it's a stronger draft class, a lot of good prospects, not just Bedard, but like you got guys like Fantilli and Mitchkov. And Will Smith and Leo Carlson and, and Zach Benson and you know ton of guys that you know let's say I, I I wouldn't imagine they fall to like one of those guys but if you get a top ten pick you know you can probably get someone still pretty good in this draft I I truly believe that. I think it's a very deep draft class that's what a lot of analysts are saying when I listen so who knows though we'll see what happens uh, just a suggestion if, uh, reminder for Blues fans like. It's, you know, it's almost uh, like trade deadlines about two months away, maybe a little less. I don't know the actual, uh, maybe I could take a look at that. But, uh, you know, may, you know may, maybe it's time you reconsider. So the trade deadline this year is March 3rd, uh, 3 p.m. So a little less than two months. So Armstrong's got some decisions to make. And I don't think the fans would hate him, but uh, I, I do think it's, you know, he's going to have to pick a direction here. Um, and the last team I want to talk about because they are incredible, and I hate to say this, like for their climb and their and their rise back, the Washington Capitals. My God, um, they have jumped to third in the Metropolitan, jumping my New York Rangers with fifty two points. Um, and yeah, they have like now like all of a sudden after getting kind of written off the first month and a half, they have played incredible hockey, um, and. You know, and this team, I give them so much credit just because the amount of injuries that they suffered, whether it's Nick Back, And by the way, some Nick Backstrom and Tom Wilson made their debuts. They didn't have them all season pretty much, but they lost them. They lost Oshie for a little bit. They lost Carlson. They lost Carl Hagelin. Like, you go up and down the list, and, you know, you, you couldn't expect this team to be this good with the amount of injuries they lost. I know you're not supposed to say injuries aren't excuses. Well... You know, this is the reason why, because this team fought their tail off to play. Obviously, Ovechkin is still really good. Um, but, you know, they've gotten some contributions from guys. Like, how about the return of Marcus Johansson, you know? Solid defensive player. He's chipped in with, like, 20 points. Not bad. Other guys, Ryan Strom is... Uh, sorry, not Ryan. Dylan Strom has stepped up. Uh, Connor Sheary stepped up. Sonny Milano. Eric Gustafson on defense has... Looked like a completely different player. He's one of his, I think, is his best season, and he's been one of their best defensemen. So, you know, and then how about this goalie tandem of uh, no one expected this, and my God, I was wrong. Like this is an excellent goalie tandem. How about Darcy Kemper, twelve nine and four, with a uh, I'm not worried about the record, but his uh, goals against is two forty five and his save percentage is nine twenty, like. Good, really solid season for him. And their backup, or I don't even say he's the backup, Charlie Lindgren, um, 
his first, basically his first year in the uh, National Hockey uh, League because he's never really, I mean, he's had some time with Montreal as a backup, maybe in a, a few games last year with St. Louis, but like not for this extended period. This is the most he's ever played, and uh, you know, hey, look at his stats. He's got a nine one two save percentage. He's eleven and five and two. Like he's winning games for this uh, Capitals team, and you know where I want to go with this is like Peter Laviolette should definitely win Jack Adams uh, if if the Capitals remain like this. Like he should definitely win Coach of the Year because the the fact that he was able to get the best out of this team, like. It ha- I mean, I know he's got, like, still some good play. He had some good players, like Ovechkin, but, like, the amount that he got, like, with this team is incredible. Um, and-, and he kept losing players, too. And, you know, it's it's almost shocking that he-, he got fired in Nashville for John Hines. And, you know, you look at Nashville and their decline, and, you know, Peter Laviolette has, you know... He's gotten the best out of a team that has no business being where they are. They they should be closer to, you know, where the, the Flyers are. <laughs> and this team gets older, and somehow they just defy father time. And, you know, this is an incredible season for them. And right, their goal differential is plus 22. It's incredible. Um, so he's, he's got my vote for their coach of the year, Peter Laviolette. I know there's some other guys you can uh, maybe uh, throw in there, like a Lindy Ruff. Um or even um Boston's guy uh oh my god I'm I'm forgetting uh forgetting some names now but uh you know incredible incredible run for the uh for the uh, Washington Capitals here because it has been marvelous to watch oh it was I'm thinking of Jim Montgomery that's who it was uh, he could be in the running but uh no man like kudos to them. Anyway, that's going to be uh, wrap it up for this edition of What the Puck. I'm your host, Johnny D'Amico, and these these episodes are going to get more into analysis and uh, into uh, some uh, stats and facts here. So uh, leave a like, comment, and I will see you in the next one.